sometimes they go from house to house um, at 5 a.m. in the morning this was a raided houses and they they take them in their pajamas there should not be any Bible believing Christian in Eritrea across the world today millions of Christians are persecuted they face discrimination imprisonment displacement and even death simply because of their faith in Jesus Christ these courageous believers are our brothers and sisters. We are in this together with them and we need to hear their voice. Join host Sarah as we discover their stories today on Release International's Voice podcast. Eritrea has been described as the North Korea of Africa, a comparison that immediately lets us understand just how difficult things must be for the Christians who live there. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Bahani, the head of Release Eritrea, a Release International project partner for the work that we do there. Much of the work that he does is extremely sensitive and we won't be able to discuss the details, but listen in as we talk about his home country, the people he knows and loves, and his determination to work on behalf of those who suffer there for Jesus. Welcome Dr. Bahani to the Voice podcast. We're supposed to be meeting face to face, but because of this coronavirus pandemic, we're going to try and record this podcast over the internet. So hopefully it will work just as well. Let me start by introducing you. You're the director of Release Eritrea. How long have we been partnered together now? It's a number of years, isn't it? 15 years, since 2005. It's a long time. Long um, time, yeah. Some of our listeners may not know that much about Eritrea because it's not in the news that much and... It's not very well known. It's not exactly a tourist destination. So could you just give us a brief overview of the country, like where it is on the map and how long it's been officially recognised as a country, who's the president, that sort of thing? Okay, it is located in the Horn of Africa. So it is just at the tip of Ethiopia on the Red Sea coast, just opposite to Yemen and Saudi Arabia. Eritrea... Um, used to be part of Ethiopia and after 30 years of uh, struggle for independence, Eritrea got its independence in 1993. Uh, then um, after our independence, we didn't do any um, like election and we had no constitution. So since then we have one president and um, his name is Isaias Afork. Um, initially, the president seemed to be charismatic and he was admired by, by the West. And they thought he would uh, be like a fresh heir to Africa. Uh, at that time, he was very eloquent. Uh, he was speaking more about democracy, about human rights. So everybody liked him. But uh, slowly, he turned to be a dictator. In 97, we were supposed to, ha to uh, have this, what you call, constitution, but he delayed it. Then he started war against Ethiopia in 98. It was a bloody war. About 100,000 people's uh, lives were lost from both sides. Uh, with the medi mediation of the UN, the war stopped. Um, but after that... Uh, the president uh, started to become more dictator. So he arrested all political opponents, all um, 
even his friends, ministers, army generals, journalists. Um, and in 2002, he started also to attack religious uh, groups, especially the evangelicals and um, most Protestants. Since then, the church never been opened, uh, and uh, hundreds and thousands of Christians have been uh, in prison. So that is the situation in Eritrea. Does the president have allies abroad, or does Eritrea act alone on the global stage? Usually he acts alone, but he changes uh, friends. So sometimes he be friends with Sudan, sometimes with Qatar. Now he recently he changed to Saudi and Emirates. Yeah. So uh, uh, Libya used to be his closest ally. Uh, so he always switches friends. You're from Eritrea, aren't you? Yes. Uh, you suffered persecution, I believe, when it was still under the Ethiopian regime. Could you tell us a bit about your story? Yes, when I uh, first uh, became a Christian, uh, the church was closed. So we had um, a meeting in uh, this house group. I was invited by some uh, sisters who were working in the hospital. And at that time, I gave my life to Christ. Um, so we were holding all our uh, services in secret. But uh, we were harassed and uh, arrested. Almost all of us, all of the house group members, have experienced prison. Uh, in my case, uh, I was taken to the city and I stayed for 11 months. So uh, at that time, uh, it was not as bad as is now, but I was never been charged and I never, you know, been taken to the court, nothing. Then in 99, I came to uh, UK to study theology. While I was here, while I was studying, um, the government shut all, ordered to shut all church in 2002. And initially we thought we could carry on with the underground uh, church, but he started to go to from house to house and arrest Christian leaders. So it started to get worse. So when I compare it, uh, it was much easier uh, when I was uh, arrested than what's happening now. Let's talk about what's happening now then. You mentioned sort of being rounded up, um, house raids. <laughs> so you could be sat at home, say, looking after your family and then the police arrive at your doorstep and take you to an unknown place and then you're not seen for years. Is that what happens a lot to Christians? Yes, that, that's what's happening. Sometimes they go from house to house um, at 5 a.m. in the morning. This was a raided houses and they, they take them in their pajamas. There should not be any Bible-believing Christian in Eritrea. So that's the main project of the government. So it's not really hard to see why uh, Eritrea is sometimes referred to as the North Korea of Africa. Eritrea is a bit worse than North Korea, because in North Korea at least people get work and also uh, some of them get salary. Uh, and you see a lot of development in the country. But in Eritrea, uh, our president ruined, uh, ruined the country. Uh, we used to have a lot of factories, now we have no factory. He destroyed all of them. Uh, he uh, banned uh, the construction, so nobody can build uh, 
their houses so um, there is always limitation of travel uh, nobody can leave the country if they are under 60 I think or under 55 so even it's worse than, than North Korea it's uh, but since it's a totalitarian government it's uh, you have to praise the government the president every day so that the main the main thing what they want from the people so you see sometimes those who follow him they have to you know go with uh, go out to the streets with the with the pictures with the, with the picture of the president and they have to praise him like worship him like the north korean guy so that's the similarity so he wants he wants to be revered by his country yeah. many of our listeners will be familiar with um the story of helen bahani She's of no rela relation to you, is she? No, she is not. I think Bahani is a common Eritrean name, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But she talks about being in prison in her book, Song of the Nightingale, which is yeah. quite a shocking read. She talks about um, being arrested for her Christian activities back yeah. in the early 2000s. And uh, she spent more than two and a half years in prison. But in that time, she talks about being beaten and deprived of uh, the most basic provisions and she was kept in a metal shipping container that was 14 years ago now roughly is that the sort of conditions that that christians now are being held in some of them yes um, even those who were in prison with helen 14 years ago are still in prison wow that's quite striking isn't it so there's people yeah. that are mentioned in song of the nightingale um yeah. who are still in prison at the moment yes yeah they are still in prison I, I know one one girl, she was 16 when she was arrested. Now she's, I think, 31 or something like that. So she spent more most of her, uh, you know, uh, what you call... Prime years. Yeah, prime years, yeah. This was the year that she was supposed to go to uni, to get married, to, you know, to do all these important things. But still she's in prison. I mean, it's hard to imagine 14 years... Um... But I suppose the best way to imagine is, is thinking what we were doing 14 years ago and imagine yeah. being in prison that whole time. Yes. What are the conditions like for them? Do you know? Yeah, it is. Uh, it changed from time to time. When they were first arrested, uh, they were in this um, Maestrova in containers uh, with Helen. Uh, then they were taken to another prison called Wea. It is in the uh, around the Red Sea coast and it is one of the hottest in the world it's very hot and um, that was the worst place to be then there was um, like uh, I think meningitis in that uh, prison and a lot of prisoners start to uh, die and they shut that prison and moved them to another place called Maeter. Maeter is also on the other side of the Ritz, because it's very hot, dusty, a lot of the sandstorm, and it's remote. So that's why they stayed there, I think for about uh, 10 years. Then in, uh, also people start to die in that place. So they moved them back to Maestroa, to the place they started. Yeah, that's in Asmara, that's the place where Helen was. Now they are in Maestrua, but they are not in a container. Uh, I think the um, situation is much better for them now, but they've been in prison for 14 and 15 years, so 
Uh, we cannot say better, but they are not in the container. It's at least something to hear that, that conditions are slightly better than they used to be. And you mentioned the spread of meningitis in the prison. Obviously, the topic that's on everyone's mind at the moment is the coronavirus. Do you know whether that virus has spread there into into the prisons in particular? So far, uh, there is not any report from Erika about coronavirus. It's one of the free coronavirus countries. It's mainly uh, very few people visit uh, Eritrea, so that could be the main reason. But with, uh, with time, who knows, because now uh, almost every country in this world has, have been, uh, has been affected, so we never know, but we hope that it wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't happen in Eritrea. Prison situation, they are overcrowded, uh, so, if it enters the, the prison, I know uh, what will happen there. Today I'm talking to release partner Dr. Bahani. He has given us a valuable insight into the history and politics of Eritrea, which helped to explain why so many Christians have been targeted and imprisoned. Keep listening as he shares his commitment to identify with those prisoners and also to hear some fresh signs of hope. Despite the cost, people are still deciding to follow Jesus in Eritrea. You also mentioned the heat, and I've heard you say before that Eritrean prisoners are often sent to the Red Sea coast to be punished by the heat, in the same way that the Soviets sent prisoners to Siberia to be punished by the cold. What, what is the temperature like there? It's uh, sometimes 45, 43 uh, it's 47, it, it depends on the season, but mostly it's over 40. Uh, especially in a place where there is no air conditioning or ventilator, and especially when you are locked in a small uh, room, it's very, it's unbearable. Uh, and we have some prisoners in the islands, it's called Dahalak Islands. Uh, I think Dahalak means like hell, because uh, in the olden times, uh, it was used by by the Arabs uh, as a prison. Last year, one of our uh, brothers died in that island. His name is Futsum. He, uh, I met his wife in the refugee camp, and she told me two years after his arrest, they brought his body and uh, they gave it to her. So she's young, she's only 32, and she has four children. How do you cope when you hear stories like this? How, how do you continue to fight? Yeah, it's the only thing that I, uh, I survived is because I'm fighting. So sometimes I feel in the night as if I am in, the, in those prisons. Uh, and I used to have like nightmare uh, initially, but now uh, I think I am getting used to it. But whenever I hear stories, uh, I always struggle uh, to handle it. In our visit to the refugees, we hear a lot of stories, and every person has stories, very traumatic, and uh, I always share in their trauma, so because it's as part of the body of Christ. So I don't see myself as I am in a free country, and they are uh, on... Uh, you know, on the on the other end, we are all together. Yeah, and it is so important, isn't it, to 
when people yeah. are feeling isolated and alone to know that they're they've got brothers and sisters and I think people in the UK are beginning to grasp that perhaps for the first time now that we can't gather as a congregation like we used to um, yeah. it's given us a little taste of, into what it's like to to feel cut off uh, it's only been a few weeks in this country since this uh, coronavirus and we can test you know um, the, the impact uh, of it on the economy, on the business, and on our social life. So in Russia, they've been living like that for the past 30 years. Even they cannot uh, meet in their houses. So they always uh, get raided by the security. So they make you to live in fear uh, or in hiding. So it's, a, it's a, like a small test. And also the same, you, you now we hear a lot of our loved ones, you know, pass away because of the coronavirus. It's the same also in Eritrea. A lot of Christians and also family members die in the... Um, it's like slavery, so when people work in the desert, in the, in the farm, because of lack of medical care, a lot of people die, young people. So it's, uh, it's a, like a small test of that. Are there signs of hope, um, Bahani? Do you think the regime will change anytime soon? Do you think there will ever be a democracy or a constitution or um, more than just one political part party in Eritrea in the future? Yeah, about two years ago when there was a change in Ethiopia, we hoped also the same thing will happen in Eritrea. But now we're giving up hope because... Um, the regime has uh, committed so many crimes. The same like uh, like Gaddafi or like Saddam, uh, because they know they cannot live peacefully in the country after they committed these uh, um, awful uh, crimes. So sometimes we give up hope, but we, you never know. Um, God can surprise us. So we are, we are we all are waiting for a surprise. What what do you think God is doing through all this? You, we know he's sovereign. Can you see a glimpse into what he's doing? Uh, I think there there are some positive. Uh, you know, when we went to Ethiopia, we found some Bible translators, and they were translating Bible into some minority ethnic groups, and we never had Christians from these uh, minority groups. I remember when I was in Eritrea, we had an outreach to all these groups and we couldn't find a single convert. But now I met uh, from this um, group, they were translating the Bible into their language. And when I speak to them, they, they were converted in the military army, you know. Some of them were converted in prison. So sometimes we see uh, there is some, uh, you know, bright light or... There is some God is working anyway in people's lives, especially those who who found Jesus in prison. And the number of Christians is, I think we have more Christians now than twenty years ago. So although uh, there is um, a strong crackdown from the government, but they couldn't control it because it's God's work; it's not human work. So yeah, you can see the greatness of God even in prisons. He's still at work. I mean, that's the the paradox of Christianity, isn't it? That that, uh, yes, that yeah. the power of God is often shown in the most 
weakest, lowest, isolated, darkest place. Yes. You yeah. mentioned that you visited Eritrean uh, refugees in Ethiopia, and I know that that's a project that release yeah. supports. We might feel like we know the answer to this already. Um, why do Eritrean Christians leave the country, and what is life like for them once they've left? Yeah, you know, uh, it's not easy to leave your country, uh, especially some of these uh, children, uh, 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 of these uh, people are so young, 13, 14 year old, and they have to be to get smuggled illegally by some smugglers, and they um, sometimes they are faced with unfriendly countries like um, in Sudan, Egypt, Libya. Uh, luckily, Ethiopia is much uh, friendly for Eritreans because of similarity of uh, of culture, religion, and language. Uh, but even in Ethiopia, it's not easy to live in a small place like in a tent under unhygienic uh, condition. But still, they prefer that. There's a real um, danger, I presume, if those Eritreans went back to Eritrea. Anybody who is forcefully um, returned to Eritrea is waiting for him, uh, imprisonment. So that's what uh, really happened. And what would happen if you went back? Are you? Would you be in danger as well? Even my movement in Ethiopia is uh, it has to be secretly because uh, I am one on uh, on the wanted list because I've been opposing the government since two thousand and three. So they don't like me speaking. So it's not only me, those who openly criticize the government are in danger. I, I would get arrested in the, at the airport and never been uh, seen again. And does, does that worry you? Because you're very brave and speaking out for all these years against the government. Um, does that, do, do you worry about the danger that you're in? No, I never been worried the danger I'm, because I always compare my life to those who are in prison, uh, those who are in prison are uh, some. Of, some of my old friends are in prison. They were arrested in two thousand and four. Now it's sixteen years, and uh, I knew. I know if I was there, I would be part of them. I would be with them. So um, when I compare my life to to them, yeah, I had uh, the opportunity to raise my daughter. And also, I had the opportunity to walk freely in, in this free world. So, I always see myself uh, one of the most privileged. Uh, so, that's why, why should I get scared? Well, that's really humbling to hear at a time like this when a lot of Christians in the UK will be feeling frightened and overwhelmed. Um, and it inspires us to, to be brave and, and courageous and to speak out and to do what we can. And on that note, how can we pray for Eritrea? What can we do? We need to pray for change because the, the president has been there too long. Uh, and also the change of policy. And above all, we want all, uh, we want all prisoners to get released. And also we uh, need to pray for protection. Uh, for those Christians who are still uh, in Eritrea, although they face uh, this uh, persecution every day, they uh, they wanted to stay.
uh, and also for God's guidance. So they could do only what God wants them to do. Thank you so much, Bahani, for taking the time to share with us today. God bless you. Well, same to you. Thank you very much. As the UK responds to the coronavirus pandemic, we are experiencing a level of restriction and isolation we haven't known before. We can hold on to the relative comforts of home during this period, but these new experiences are opening up for us at least a partial window into the circumstances of so many of our Christian brothers and sisters across the world. As Dr. Bahani says, Christians have been living like this for 30 years in Eritrea. Perhaps we can spend some time reflecting on that over the next few months and sharing Dr. Bahani's burden to stand as one with our Christian family in Eritrea. Thank you so much for listening to Release International's Voice podcast. Please do subscribe to your favourite podcast app and stay connected to the voice of persecuted Christians. There are many other ways you can get involved. For more information on how you can pray and support persecuted believers across the world, please visit our website www.releaseinternational.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Remember those who are in prison as if you were in there together with them, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Do not abandon them.